Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. All right. How you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of The Cutting Room Floor. A uh, little podcast that I started to showcase in the entertainer, Small Walks. I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, then I want to hear from you. Uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. I'm on there all the time. My Twitter handle is at CuttingRoomMRB, uh, or you can like me on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash CuttingRoomMRB. Um, special Friday night show. I don't normally do this. I haven't done a Friday night show in, I think, over a year. Uh, I had the night off. was doing a favor for a friend in, uh, in Rainy Curlin here who wanted to come back and talk about an update. Um, that she had to her film The Wedding Invitation, which is now getting all kinds of attention on the uh, festival circuit. And I thought, what the hell, I haven't done this in a while. So uh, we're doing a little talk show show tonight, and I am going to be back at my usual time at 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern on the mix, and I've got uh, three or four great guests lined up. I'm going to be doing 90 minutes on Sunday as well. Um, so the reason that you're listening to this now or downloading it later, of course, is to listen to my chat with Rainy Kerwin, and, and Rainy has been on the show a couple of times before. Uh, she's the writer, director, and occasional actress at uh, It's Raining Films, and she was on here a while ago to talk about her film, The Wedding uh, Invitation, which, again, kind of took off and, and has taken on a life of its own, and, and I was proud to you know, interview her when she was first starting to shoot this, and now we get to figure out what happened now that it's been released. Uh, so without further ado, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes back Rainy Kerwin. Rainy, how are you? I am great, Casey. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, you know, before you even say anything, I have to say thank you because, you know, this project has been a grassroots project. And you, the first time you had uh, myself and my producing partner on was we were in the middle of a crowdfunding campaign. So that's, that's how right. long ago it was that we chatted. But, you know, for, for someone like you to interview someone like us when we're, you know, we don't have the record yet um, to bring us onto your show, I thought was really cool. So I'm, I'm just kind of honored to be back and very grateful. So thanks. It was, it was about a year and a half ago. It was a while. I, I, was trying God, to... I, I think it was more. I think it was, uh, it would have been maybe like November or maybe December of 2000. Yeah, December 2013. Yeah, yeah. no, that wasn't That's too crazy. far off. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I remember you, I had you and Narmar on here. And, and uh, how, how is she doing, by the way? She's great. Um, she's, you know, we're just kind of uh, trying to <laughs> put together, you know, all of the assets and stuff and pieces that we've piled, compiled in these last three weeks of festival circuit and, um, you know, the process moving forward. So it's, it's great. Nothing to complain about. It's just a lot of work. So I, I, I want to get back to the festival thing in a, in a little while, but just to frame this uh, for, you know, how far you've come, right? Uh, first of all, what for the uninitiated is the wedding invitation about? So the wedding invitation is a, it's like a sweet and raunchy romantic comedy about three best friends who get a last-minute invitation to the wedding of a lifetime. And, you know, deciding to take a little bit of control over their dating lives, uh, which really is a reflection for taking control of their whole life, they decide to go out and hit on guys and get their plus one. So, you know, it's an awkward and cringeworthy situation <laughs> that doesn't always go as planned. 
And uh, what can you tell us about the cast that you put together and the team that you put together for this? I mean, you got a really good core group of people working with you, right? Uh, We really did. I feel so grateful. I mean, you know, part of, part of making movies and, you know, this is what I've wanted to do my whole life is it should be fun, right? If it's not fun, then I should do something else. So it was really important to me that we, we, we cast the right people and that we had the right people on crew. And we a hundred percent did. I mean, I know like, so we have um, Owen Mackin, who is uh, stars in The Night Shift on NBC. Uh, a lot of people know him. A lot of people know him from Merlin that was on the BBC. And a lot more people will know him very soon because he's coming out in Resident Evil, the final chapter. Oh, but is. I remember, yeah, he is. He's one of the leads. It's been a, it's a really, you know, a huge year for him, um, which, you know, we're very grateful for. But when he walked into audition for it, I mean, we were just kind of all blown away because the, the guy walks in with, you know, <laughs> he's got some charisma, but he walked in and he had his guitar in one hand and he didn't bring the script because he's, he's just good. Like, he's just good at improvising and being in the moment. He knew the script really well. So it was, it was really a pleasure to work with him. We, I think we kind of knew from the moment he walked in that he was the right guy. But regardless, I told everyone that auditioned for this. I said, listen, this is a team effort. Like, there is a possibility that you're going to have to hold the slate or move a C-stand at some point. And he's like, I'm on board. And I said, oh, and by the way, it's an all-female crew. And he's like, I'm on board. So he had the right, not only the right attitude about it, but, I mean, he's an extremely talented guy. And the same was um, true for Camille Guadi, who um, was in Prison Break for several years, and Scorpion, I think she just got killed off, actually. Um, but I heard it's a great episode. But so she came in. I actually felt really lucky to get her because, you know, I'm a first-time director, so getting any kind of big names was really hard just to get them to come into audition. And, you know, I don't think that we would have gotten her the traditional route of going to her agent and, you know, bringing her in for an audition. Um, But what happened was she'd found out about the project and the all-female crew and the script, and she said she was nervous to contact me, and she took two weeks to do it, but she finally did and said, listen, I would love to audition for this project. I don't know if you're still auditioning. Um, and at the time, we still had this role to cast. And I was like, eh, well, I don't know you, but come on in. Why not? And um, she just nailed it. She was amazing. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that was a long answer um, to it. Do, do, do you think that that's common, though, or, or I should say increasingly common, that, that you have people that have done a lot of mainstream projects that are – you know, looking to go out and do things, like you said, because, you know, to, to use your own words, because you love it, right? I yeah, know. I mean... Do you, do you think that I that's think common among, uh, more common amongst uh, actors and actresses now? I think it is. I mean, I shouldn't really have a hypothesis on this because I don't, I'm not really at the, the top, you know, that, that game at the top with all the agents and managers, and I'm not in that world. Um, so I, I live in my independent world, so I don't always know, you know, necessarily what they're thinking. But I think, you know, we are artists. We are, like, collectively, we come from an artistic background. We want to do, we want to perform, we want the good role. Um, so I feel like that's, that would be the case, that a lot of people just kind of want to work on good projects. I know specifically in Camille Guadi's case that, um, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's way fewer roles. It's changing drastically since we've started this project. But meaty roles for women, especially that are funny and inappropriate and sweet and raunchy and all of that, like to sink your teeth into, I just don't think there's a lot of roles out there for women. Um, and so I think that's, I, you know, I think part of that why she was kind of drawn to the project. But, I mean, that's, you know, the reason I wrote the project in the first place. 
Yeah, you yourself had a role in this uh, as well. I did. I had the the, the role. (laughs) I just took the lead role. I thought, why not, you know? (laughs) Is it going to do it? It's like I wrote it. I funded it. Actually, you know, I don't actually tell the story very often, but I will tell you this. So I had written, uh, actually, I don't think I've told this story at all on this festival run. I had written this project years ago. This is not new. I, I was kind of frustrated with the roles, and I didn't get a role and for a one line, and I was very frustrated. So I started writing this, and I, you know, not knowing what I was doing, I just, you know, started trying to put the margins in my Word document. Um, and then finally a friend said, you know, I have a copy of Final, uh, final Draft. I was like, oh, great, I can write a real script. So it was a couple of years before it actually, you know, was was correctly formatted and all that good stuff. But um, but the reason I wrote it was for myself to take the lead. And then the project went a different route, and it turned out it was going to be this bigger budget thing, and there were all these people attached. Um, and at that point, you know, someone said, "There's no way you can play the lead." I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play one of the best friends." But when the project, you know, came back to me and had fallen apart in that bigger way because. You know, the money men said, we can't fund a female-driven project. This makes no sense. It won't make money. And it came back to me, and, and I was just going to make it. I said, well, I'm going to star in it, and I'm going to direct it. <laughs> because I had written that role for myself. And, I mean, you haven't seen the movie yet, but when you do, you'll know that the role that Camille plays was just, even though I didn't know her, I mean, it was written for her. She's just brilliant at it. And I could not have touched it the way she did. So it all works out the way it's supposed to. And my character is a much more kind of, Oh, I don't know, type A, anal personality um, character, which, you know, I guess I play. <laughs> but I, I guess yeah. what are some of the unique challenges that you, you face directing yourself in a, in a film? I mean, that, that's got to be, a, you know, kind of a yeah. you know, thing to feel. You know, on the, on the one hand, you've got to separate, you know, your two roles within making the movie, right? Like, you know, how, how do, your, yeah. how do um, you reconcile that? Well, I'll I'll say, you know, which was really nice, first of all, I'll start with this, is that, you know, I produced this as well, and I'm, I'm the main producer on it in that I started the project and I finished the project all the way through post, but during production, um, I had a lot of help. So, uh, Namor Hannah and Sage Group were producers, my producing partners on this, and on set, they really took over, um, and that was great. There was a few times that I'd, you know, sign some checks or okay a location with a disgruntled uh, location manager or something, but other than that, that was great. But the challenge was, you know, writing or having, you know, being the lead in it and directing it because I was in 18 of the 19 days. And I had a stand-in, but I wasn't really comfortable using her, not because she wasn't great, but because, uh, you know, I come from an acting background and, like, I firmly believe that even if I'm off camera and the shot is dirty, meaning just, you know, my head is in it and I'm soft focus, like part of my head or my hair, and the shot is on the other person, that I have to, as an actor, give them something back um, for them to get the best possible performance. So I think that's, that's maybe something that, if, you know, if and when I do both worlds again, I won't do. I'll use my stand-in more for that and, and, and coach them for what I, I want. But for, for me, when I was on camera, you know, thank goodness if we're in the digital age because I did playback on every single shot. So I would do maybe two or three takes. Um, and I work as an acting coach at a conservatory. So I'm, I'm usually pretty, like, I can usually feel if I nailed it or I didn't, you know. So if I felt like I got it, I would go watch playback and I would say, okay, we got it, let's move on. 
And sometimes I watch playback and be like, no, <laughs> I'm nowhere near where I need to be. Let's, let's go back and do a few more takes. But that paired with um, one of my producing partners, Sage Group, sat in through all of my rehearsals with all of my actors. Um, and so she knew what I wanted. So she was a second eyes on camera for me. And I'll also say having, having rehearsed every single person on set, including the day players, the one lines, everything, was really a benefit. Because, you know, you get to set, and we're talking about six, seven, eight, nine pages a day. Like, to get through that, we are moving. Um, and there's just not a lot of rehearsal time. And, you know, with me being in the shot, too, and me wanting to watch playback. So I, I took advantage as, as best I could, and my actors were all really good at coming over to my house. And so every, almost every single thing was rehearsed, um, with the exception of uh, my love interest in the movie, Owen Mackin, who wanted, he, he, he said, I, you know, I'd prefer that it kind of be organic in the moment. And I, and I thought that really worked for that relationship. So all of those moments are very, very real. No, you and I were having a discussion offline that, that, uh, where you were talking about post-production being a, a whole separate other set of challenges, right? Uh, yeah. You know, what happens there? You, you know, explain it to me as an outsider looking in. What happens there? Oh, God. I mean, I need therapy to talk about it. You know, I'll just say this. I'll just say this. Like, when I finally got to picture lock, people would come up to me and say, oh, congratulations. Like, you've done it. But, but that was just halfway up the hill. Like, there's the whole other side of it. It's, like, color correction and the conform and all of this stuff. I mean, we were in post for about a year. So, I mean, I guess starting from the beginning. So, you know, we get, we go to our editor, give her three or four weeks to put together uh, a rough cut, you know, the editor's cut. Um, and then I worked with an editor uh, who had a lot of experience, which, you know, so I learned a lot from her, but who wanted me to be in the room for everything, um, which was great as a first time filmmaker, because it's kind of like going to film school to be able to sit there with an editor that knows what she's doing and, you know, talk you through stuff. And um, I really kind of got my, my editor legs in, in those, in those sessions, but I was there for every single thing. So it was months of sitting there um, and they were long hours. I mean, we'd finish at five in the morning sometimes because of schedules. So that was a long process. But what happens is, you know, I don't have a studio above me, which I love. And then, you know, when you want somebody to help with a decision on a cut, you wish there was somebody that said, no, you're not there yet, or you need this, or have some insight. So what I would do as much as possible, I would put together small uh, groups of people, and I would test it. And the first group I brought in uh, was about four or five people. It was a really rough cut, and we got, we got pretty good notes. They're like, wow, you guys are pretty far along. And then we made some changes and we went in the wrong direction and I had a second screening and we got some terrible notes. <laughs> we got in the wrong direction and it's amazing how quickly you can ruin a film. You know, I mean, editing is, is key. I really have to give props to my editors. I had two on this. Um, so we went, we went back and we, at that point, I'd lived with it for so long. I could now, I'm sure you've heard that expression, like, you got to kill your babies. Like, you know, yes, you love that scene because, especially because I'm in it, right? I'm like, oh, I look great in that scene, but it's not playing. It's not working. It doesn't, it's redundant. It's maybe a repeat beat. We need to kill it. So 
so I went back and really looked at it with a fine tooth comb and um, I took people's notes um, and I think I got really good at that because at first it's personal, you know, when they say something and then at some point you just become numb to it. You step back and you get in the producer's shoes and say, we don't need that. We have that. So we did that and then uh, we did a test screening. We brought in an audience um, and screened it in a theater, which was really cool. And we got some really great feedback, and we thought, okay, we're, we're really close. Um, and then there was a couple more test screenings, and then, you know, I, at that point I had to get a new editor because my first editor had another project she was working on. And so I walked into that room feeling really confident and knowing what needed to happen. So what we've got now is uh, a really tight 88 minutes um, of a film, and, and um, I'm happy that it went through that process. I think what I learned is, you can't edit a film in a couple of months. Like, it has to sit with you because it, it, you, need to, you need to go back and, and relive it when you're not looking at the film. You know, even when you're just kind of daydreaming or driving, and you're like, you know what, that doesn't work. Or I think part of it, too, like me being in it and have directed it and written it, you, you lie to yourself a little bit, but a scene comes up and your gut cringes if it's not working. You know, and I think you kind of push that away for a while until you come to the realization, like, there's a reason I'm having a reaction to that. That's, that's not working. So, I mean, listen, I have a lot to learn. I'm a first-time filmmaker. But um, I will say, having had the process be that long, I think, I think it behooved the project in the end. And then after that, we went to ColorCrest, and um, we ended up doing a reshoot about a year after we shot the film, because we shot, let's see, in uh, September 2014. So we did a reshoot, um, and then that had to go back in and be re-edited, um, and then color corrected, and then um, and then the sound mix, which was amazing. An amazing friend of the family's did us a huge favor. Uh, his name is Rick Alexander, and he's um, retired and moved to Montana, and has his whole edit or sound equipment editing sound editing bay up there. So I was fortunate enough to go stay on his, you know, ranch style living for a week and mix the film. And um, at that point we had all of our songs and uh, we have 22 original songs in the film. And um, we have, I think about 20 scored pieces. So it's, it's, it's music heavy, but it's rich. And um, yeah, so he makes that and blah, blah, blah. And now we're here. Did you say 22 original songs? Yes, 22 original songs, and they're great. I mean, how, how do you go about collecting that much material? Like, did you, you know, put an open call out for that, or you know, was it people that you met online? You know, what what kind of variety of music did you use? Yeah, it's a real mix. My focus was the film is shot uh, in LA. Specifically, the backdrop is a Silver Lake community, which, if you don't know Silver Lake, it's kind of a hipster, cool uh, community. In Los Angeles, it's, you know, it's full of like coffee shops and restaurants and artists and all that cool stuff. So that was our backdrop. So my focus was to um, fill it with local artists and that kind of indie vibe. I didn't want to go one direction uh, with the music so that it was all, you know, one genre. So it's a little bit of what works for the scene. Um, and how we got it is very eclectic. Um, I'm so grateful to my artists that have, because they've all, you know, it's a tiny little project, so they've all given us their songs. But it's been, you know, Camille's husband is an, as a musician, 
and she had this song. She said, I love his song. You've got to put it in your movie. So I was like, um, yes, I would love to put your free song in my movie. So we actually have a couple from him, um, a couple from a couple from friends of mine. Um, and then after that, other people that had found out about the project. I got about 10 or 11 of the songs myself. And then I hired um, Christina Gaylord, who's a music supervisor. And she went out, and a musician, so we have a couple of her songs. Um, she went out to her friend. I actually have two songs from an amazing Winnipeg artist, a friend I went to grade six with in Winnipeg um, named Katie Murphy. And she gave us the original song for the crowdfunding campaign two years ago. So I have two of her songs in the film as well. So that was, um, was kind of great. Now, you had a pretty good run recently, right? Uh, we, we've actually had to push this interview back a couple of times because you were actually out on the uh, on the festival circuit. Yes, I was. The movie has been seen in front of people. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. We premiered at Palm Beach um, International Film Festival beginning of April, and that was... Um, you know, you just, like, I've been in an editing cave, the post-production for a year. Like, you have no idea what, how it's going to screen um, or even if the audience is going to fill up or anything or what the venue is going to be like. And um, we screen. So you can screen on a Blu-ray, which most people know, um, and everybody has a Blu-ray player or you can, or you can screen on something called a DCP, which is a digital cinema package and that's what the big movies screen on. And the reason is because color space doesn't change. So if I take my Blu-ray and screen it at your house or my house, it's all going to look different. But so um, if you're screening at a theater that has that capability, it's, it's really the way to go. And so we screen that way. And that was the first time I got to see my movie projected that way on the big screen. And it was, you know, it was like it's a brand new theater with stadium seating and a massive screen. Um, so that was the first screening. It was packed. Um, I had 22 family members and friends from Winnipeg come down, which was really cool. Um, and then it was just packed with, you know, locals and, and other filmmakers. Um, and it screened really well. We were nominated there for best, uh, feature film, which was great because it was our first festival and you don't know, like, did we barely get in or did they love it? So, uh, that was interesting. Um, and then after that, I went on to, um, Manhattan and we screened in New York at the Manhattan Film Festival which was right in the village and it was Saturday night at 7:30, and it was, the streets were packed I don't even have pictures up yet um, because I'm just trying to put everything together but um, that was a totally different vibe completely different crowd completely different screen it was an older theater and it, you know it's the kind of theater that if, like somebody wants in the row um, you have to stand up it's like that tight oh, okay. so um, so it was just it's like it was hot and everyone was like shoulder to shoulder and it was packed and um, yeah, so that was, that was the second screening. And then we won Best Romantic Comedy there. So um, yeah, it's just nice to, it's nice to see where you get the laughs, you know? I mean, places where I didn't, I was like, is that funny? It's funny to me. <laughs> is it gonna be funny to anyone? I think I'm good in that Does anyone else, you know? And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, so we got, the, we got the reaction. First of all, congratulations on the win. Right. Uh, I mean, that's no that's small nice. accomplishment. Uh, you know, in Manhattan. I mean, that's a high-profile venue, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It was it was a surprise, and we were very grateful. And um, you know, I think I totally spazzed out when I won. I was like, I'm so happy. Um, I was trying to be cool, but I didn't pull it off. 
uh, yeah, so I was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, but, you know, really for the whole team, like, because so many people did this as a passion project. I mean, you know, almost everyone was paid, just very small amount. So I feel like, you know, not to be totally cheesy, but like this is a win for the team, you know, like they didn't, their, all of their effort wasn't for naught, and the, the film will go on to have a life. Uh, as a filmmaker, what is the best practice that you would share about attending a film festival? Um, like, what do you mean specifically? Like, what as a filmmaker, well, what yeah, what yeah, I would what, do, what, or what 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 do you do to make sure that you get the most out of a film festival as a filmmaker? Um, that's a good question. You know, I'm really new to it, but um, I was determined. So here's what I thought about film festivals because I'd been to Sundance. Um, just having gone, not with a film, a couple of years, and I thought, oh, you get into a festival and it's going to be full. The audience is going to be full. But that's not actually the case. You know, a lot of these smaller festivals don't have, or I shouldn't say smaller. These are actually good-sized festivals. But um, they don't necessarily have the audience to fill it up. And so you as a filmmaker have a lot of work to do to get people in seats, which I didn't realize. Um, so we did that. <laughs> We did everything. I mean, we, I would join all the meetup groups in Palm Beach or Manhattan, all the film entertainment meetup groups and invite them. At one point in Manhattan, I went and spoke at um, New York Indie Filmmakers Film Group and invited them. And, um, you know, it's really just kind of reaching out as far as you can. Um, you know, Manhattan's a great, it's a great city. Uh, there's so much going on, but also, it's like tapping into getting people to do that because everyone's so busy. And also our second screen, our screening in Manhattan fell on the second night of Passover, which is, you know, it's a very Jewish community. So a lot of the people and friends that I thought were going to be able to come didn't. So the fact that we could still kind of pack the house was, um, was pretty good. But I will say, you know, you know, have your posters, have your flyers, have your postcards. Um, and I mean, you just have to talk about it. I've been lucky that, you know, some people have seen the film now, so they've been, you know, promoting it on their social media. Um, and that's really the biggest compliment to, to, the, to the project that someone else is willing to say, hey, I'm not involved with this project, but go see it. And I think that's another way of how we, we filled up the theater so much. We, Randy, unfortunately we have to tie this up, but I just want to make sure we get in a good solid plug for your websites or, you know, where can people go to learn more about the wedding invitation or, you know, see it or find out where your upcoming screenings are going to be. Let's get in a good solid plug for all of your social media streams. Okay, cool. Um, so we're going to re release theatrically in February 2017. Um, so before that, we'll probably be at a few more festivals. Um, the best way really to keep track of us um, is to go to Facebook dot com backslash the wedding invitation movie so if you like that page everything will that'll always be updated um and also you can we actually have a uh, promo trailer you guys can see if you go to it's raining films.com um and that's where our promo trailer is and then uh our twitter is at wedding inv uh movie and then i'm at rainy kerwin so that's that's a good solid plug <laughs> Well, hey, Rainy, it's always fun to have people back to, you know, get a follow-up and see where things are going. And, and you know, I, I couldn't be more proud having interviewed you during the crowdfunding campaign and now seeing this. I mean, this is really, really cool to be able to have you back. So congratulations on all the hard work. Thank you. Uh, all the best to, to your team. And if you need any help from my side, then by all means let me know, all right? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Casey. Okay, great. So that's going to about do it for us tonight. Again, thanks to Paul Reeves who was sitting in the chat room 
uh, you know, throwing in some comments of his own there. Uh, great friend, by the way. Uh, I'll be back on Sunday, and uh, I've got a bunch of great guests lined up, so that's going to be a big show, too. So on behalf of my guest, Randy Curran, you've been listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. Have yourselves a great weekend. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.